stuck part two the temple looks so different you knew what to expect but you're still taken aback you have dim memories from when stephen was very little when your room was still being built but even then there was still a wooden frame around the temple's base there's nothing now just bare rock it looks so odd and exposed the mighty fusion's hands cupped carefully around the door you stare up at it for a long moment a strange chill running down your back a gull calls loudly overhead startling you out of your trance you shake your head and say let's go you start up the hill to the temple and have just reached the area which in your time has a helpful set of stairs when you hear the familiar swoosh of a warp pad activation you freeze from above comes amethyst's voice saying that was so cool panic you look around wildly and then dive to the side ducking behind the sandy slope leading to the temple crouching there pressed against the side you suddenly feel too big you hope your hair isn't poking out you hold your breath you can hear approaching footsteps you focus and count two sets one's amethyst who's the other you did very well amethyst says a prim and proper voice pearl excellent use of shape shifting in battle ah well thanks her voice sounds close they must be right above me did you like that spinny thing i did i thought that was wonderful something causes amethyst to burst into giggles and pearl chuckles softly in response you wonder why your lungs are beginning to beg for air finally their footsteps fade away and you let yourself suck in a huge breath then carefully you poke your head up over the sand in the distance you can see pearl and amethyst retreated down to the beach they're wearing different clothes than you're used to amethyst loops around switching between two and four legs her hair long and messy you're still laughing animatedly about something you fight the sudden urge to call out to them you're glad garnet wasn't with them there'd be no hiding from her you clamber back up the path and making the climb to the temple's mouth as quickly and quietly as possible inside the cave shaded from the sun it's dark and cool the stone floor is cold against your bare feet water drips quietly from the ceiling the sound echoing oddly in the stillness your hands are clenched as you move deeper inside this does not feel like home it is somewhere magical and otherworldly and you feel like a trespasser soon you come to face the temple's door five circles arranged in the shape of a star your eyes are drawn exenerably to the pink one right at the top point should you go in if you're looking for rose quartz her room is logically one of the first places to check you're not exactly jumping at the prospect however firstly you don't even know if the temple will open for you the door is finicky enough to operate in your own time and you're not sure if it'll recognize you here at the same time you're a little afraid that it will recognize and respond to you what if you go in and rose isn't there but the roommate seems seems like she is its illusion can be so real so convincing you're in no rush to repeat unpleasant past experiences what other choice do i have you wonder aloud greg didn't know where rose was and with warp pad access she could be practically anywhere on the planet checking everywhere would take forever and you'd be almost certain to miss her besides no the gems never work to random places just to hang out if rose is in here it's for a reason probably not a mission 
because Pearl and Amethyst just came back from work. Maybe the armory then? I sure hope not. Without Lion, that'll be a three-hour climb, and you're no mountaineering expert. Where else then? It comes to you in a flash. You rush to the warp pad, and concentrating, hold your destination in mind. Bring bright light shoots up around you. You allow yourself to be lifted up a little, enjoying the weightlessness, the way your hair floats and billows up around you. The light vanishes. Gravity reasserts yourself, and you land on your feet with a dull thud. You're surrounded by gardens, lush, vibrant plants, heavy heads of huge pink blossoms. The sky above you is somewhere in between sunny and overcast. The air is filled with the scent of recent rain and wet soil. There's a slight wind, chilly, but not unpleasant. Hesitating a little, you step off the warp pad. It's so still here, peaceful, serene, but not silent. There's the gentle twitter of birdsong and the twinkle of rushing water. Rose's fountain. The sound leads you to it. There's no attacking plants this time. No impenetrable fence of brambles. Nothing to stop you from walking right underneath the ark into the inner sanctum of rose quartz. You experience a brief flash of mental dizziness as Connie's imagined expectations of the place clash with Stephen's true memories of it. It passes quickly, however. You try not to feel unsettled by the many still silent statues surrounding you. They're not going to move. They're just statues. You find yourself at the fountain's base without having even realized you were moving. The largest statue of Rose Quartz looms over you, tears gently flowing from her eyes into the basin below. She felt true love for those around her. She felt true sorrow for when they were hurt. The water stirs only very gently, and when you look into it, you see your own face looking back at you. You're a little surprised by the sight. You've never actually seen a reflection of yourself before. Similar features arranged in new, wonderful ways. Long curly black hair framing a warm bronze face. Wide amazed eyes staring at Stephen's soft smile and Connie's sharp nose all coming together to make something entirely new. Well, not entirely new, but there is one thing on your face that isn't Connie's or Stephen's. A golden circle sitting in the middle of your forehead the placement reminds you a little of Pearl, though the color and shade don't match. You reach out with a cupped hand and fill it with tears. You raise it to your forehead, splashing it over the magical artifact. You expect to feel something, a tingle, a shift, but nope, nothing. You pull experimentally again at the metal glob stuck to your head, but it's still stuck fast. Well, it was worth a try. You wipe your hands along your arms and legs, the bug bites vanishing instantly. You smile in satisfaction, then set off. The garden's a pretty big place. Rose Quartz might still be around here somewhere. You head out the main arc and arch and wander experimentally through the paths. Pink flowers and thorny bushes still dominate, but they're far from the only plants. You see all sorts of things, daffodils, tulips, lilies, even orchids in splendid bright purples, yellows, and blues. You're not an expert, but you're pretty sure that this is a wrong environment for most of these plants, but yet they're still flourishing. It's beautiful. You turn a quarter and suddenly there she is, right in front of you. Rose quartz. This is the gem, the gem you've heard so much about. 
the one with a portrait hanging above the door in the temple, the one who started the rebellion against Homeworld, the one that Pearl pledged herself to, who she threw herself in front of time and time again, the one who welcomed Garner with open arms, the one who found Amethyst lost and alone in the kindergarten, the only person to attend Mr. Universe's beachside concert who clapped furiously when it was finished, the one who saw beauty everywhere and in everything, the one who gave up everything just so you could exist. She's sitting up to her knees in dirt, shoveling manure. Maybe you gasp or step on a stick or something because she hears you, turns toward the sounds. Pearl, is that? She breaks off mid-sentence when she sees that it isn't Pearl or Garnet or Amethyst or anyone she could reasonably expect to find in her isolated magical garden. Her face flickers through surprise, concern, confusion, and then settles on curiosity. Her eyes move from your face to fixate on your stomach. Hi, you say. Hello, Rose Quartz straightens and never once looking away from you, wipes her hands on her dress. In a few quick strides, she closes the distance between you. You stare up at her. She's so tall. She reaches out a hand towards your belly, your gem, almost touching it but holding back at the last moment. That is my gem, she says. But no, it's not, is it? Not precisely. No, you say. And it isn't. The cut is the same, but there's a quality, a difference between your own and the rose quartz (coughs) gem. An extra shininess and iridescence. My name is Stevani, ma'am. Your fusion, Rose says. And it's a statement, not a question. But of who? Connie Maheshwaran. And I know this will be hard to believe, but your son, Stephen Universe. A quick intake of breath. A shake of the head that causes a cascade of pink curls. An unreadable expression. Well. Do you believe me? Actually, I do. But I'm afraid that I'm going to need some more information. How did you get here? I, um, time travel, you say. Your palms are sweating. Your tongue feels too big for your mouth. Suddenly and fiercely, you don't want to be here. Or no. No, you do want to be here. You're desperate for it. But you're nervous. And at the same time, another part of you wants to be far away. Wants to give you some space. You shouldn't both be here. This is Rose Quartz. This is Steven's mom. You shouldn't be here too, but you want you here. No, this is private. You should. No, 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 And you're suddenly on the ground, convulsing, crying, trying to split apart, but you can't. You can't. Stevani, Stevani, a voice is saying, and someone's holding you, gentle but firm. What's wrong? We went back in time, you're saying, you're sobbing. We went back in time. I I don't know how. This weird magical artifact hit us in the head and we suddenly were in Beach City and I was so confused and we were fighting the gems. They need me and Dadaverse was there and he was so young and he didn't know who I was and I don't want to be stuck here. I want to go home and, and I can't unfuse. You're wailing by the end of it face flushed with fear and embarrassment. You take deep, heaving breaths, trying to get a hold of yourselves. Oh dear, Rose says. 
She brushes your hair away, touches your forehead. Is this the artifact you mentioned? You sniffle. Yes. I recognize it. The orb of answers. She moves away, and you make yourself look at her. She settled onto her knees, keeping a careful distance. It takes thousands of years and astonishing amounts of energy to form. Once it has, however, it has a remarkable power. The first person who touches it will receive the answer to their greatest, most burning question. Again, you trace the metallic bump on your forehead. So it did bring us here. Rose nods. It cannot always provide the answers itself, but it can put you into the position where you can discover them. But why can't I infuse? It's it's not like you don't like being Stevani, that you don't like being you. Nothing like that at all. You feel so, so great, so confident, so warm. There have been times you think that you or Connie or Steven may have even considered that one day they may like to. Well, maybe not all the time like Garnet, but maybe. It's just fusion is a choice. Every moment of it is a choice. And the thought of not being able to choose, being stuck this way, makes you think of Malachite. The experiments beneath the kindergarten and in the hospital. Gem shards wield, welded together, twitching limbs and pained moans and screaming, flickering faces. Fists clench. No, no, you'll never be like that. Never. But you want to be free to choose. Rose looks thoughtfully. I think it's because the question it's trying to answer is yours. Yours specifically, not your components. The orbs holding you together to ensure that you and you alone get the answer. Me alone, you say incredulous. You're a fusion. There is no alone. That's silly. <laughs> Rose's mouth twitches in a grin. Perhaps, but that's how it is. You sigh heavily. So, when I get my answer, everything will go back to normal. I'll go back to my own time. I'll be able to unfuse. I think so, yes. Okay. Then I need that answer. You swell with confidence, then the flay almost immediately. Um, how do I get it? I believe that rather depends on your question. Uh, you say. Because the magical or magical orb has apparently plucked you from time to answer your greatest, most burning question. And you're not even sure what that is. How does that even work exactly? How can some metal ball know something like that before you do? Subconsciousness, that's how. Same as dreams. Still annoying. All right, then. What is it that you want to know more than anything else in the world? It can't be something normal like, where can I get the best pizza in the world? Or, which chemical element is number 24? Because then it would have just dropped you in front of a restaurant or a chemistry textbook. So what question do you have that can only be answered in this place at this time? You bite your lip. What do you want to know more than anything? Memories surge to the surface. You're lying in bed, clutching at the gym where your belly button should be. You're in your bed, clutching at the lost bracelet, still glowing faintly in the dark. You're sitting in a dark movie theater, staring blankly at the screen playing commercials, holding a kind of cold soda to your scrapes and wondering if that last hour with the lion and the robot and giant sword really happened at all. Garnet, Amethyst, Pearl, I did it! I did it! I healed Connie! I have magic spit! 
You're tracing the empty frame of your glasses with your finger, wondering if you should get fake plastic ones, wondering if it's even worth the bother since your parents haven't noticed yet. How on earth did your life get to the point where you're having a family dinner with a six-armed giant woman? Confusion and disorientation and shoes that are suddenly too small for your feet. Understanding hits you, all of you, both of you, in an instant. I'm a fusion. You are a fusion. You are someone other than yourself, and you're not even sure what that means. You think you like it, but for a few hours, you weren't even human. Sometimes you wonder what Connie sees in someone like you. She's so much smarter and cooler. Sometimes you wonder why Steven's friends with you. Why he wanted to hang out with someone so nerdy and boring. You're glad you're friends, though. So, so glad. Human beings, Mr. Universe says. And you're thankful you have someone who understands. Human beings, Dad says. And you feel something uneasy in your stomach. What's it like being a fusion? Do you forget who you used to be? You're going to be something remarkable, Stephen. You're going to be a human being. Finally, you ask, why? Why what? Why would you do it? Why would you give up your memories? Everything. For a human. Rose looks genuinely surprised. Well, why? Well... Why wouldn't I? Humans are so wonderful, clever, creative, dynamic, short-lived, weak, magicless, you interrupt. Humans are just so ordinary in comparison. Not at all, she sighs. Stevani, look around the garden. What do you see? Plants? Yes, plants. So many different types of plants, and birds, and butterflies, and worms, and a million other kinds of creatures. So varied and so vibrant. The nature of organic life is change. It adapts or it dies. Gems, meanwhile? We're essentially rocks. Strong and sturdy. We can change, but we resist it. It takes a long, long time. I fear that if we do not learn from organic life, we'll destroy ourselves along with it. For a moment, you're flabbergasted. But then you think of what you've learned of homeworld, what they've done to their own kind, how they were going to execute Ruby, how they cast Garnet out, how Jasper called Pearl defective and Amethyst a run, how Peridot used to flinch at everything, afraid that anything could be a weapon, and the horrible, torturous forms of the forced fusions. Gems are great, but Homeworld? Homeworld really sucks. I think, perhaps you already know what I mean, says Rose, seeing your expression. Voice heavy, she asks, how old are you? You're not even sure how to start counting your own age, so you say... Connie's almost 13, Stephen's 14. So young, says Rose. She's smiling, but her face is somehow sad, but already so brave. You squirm a little. Could you, Rose says, suddenly looking inexplicably shy. Could you tell me a little about yourself? About Stephen and Connie? You're the one who's meant to be getting answers, but this is Rose Quartz asking, and besides, it's the easiest question in the world. Well, I, they, I mean, Connie's so smart, she reads all the time and understands so much. She works so hard, Pearl's teaching her how to sword fight, she's really amazing at it. I, I use your sword, by the way, I hope you don't mind. And Steven, he's so funny and sweet and brave, too. He saved my life twice the first time we met. He just makes everything so fun, and, and, and you 
you're my best friend, you say. And it's not Rose you're saying it to. You hear a sniffle. You look up to find Rose crying just a little bit, enough to make her eyes shiny and her cheeks wet. You know, for me, it was only yesterday that I asked Greg about the possibility of having a baby, she says. I am so, so glad to know that I will make the right choice. In your head, you feel a sudden cold shock, like a jet of arctic air. Something drops away, automatically. Your hand flies forward to catch it. In your hand is the orb of answers, no longer golden, but black, as though rusted straight through. Your eyes fly back to Rose Quartz. You have one last look at her face, warm, overjoyed, proud, and then you are gone. Or back. Another dizzying swirl and you land on your feet. The serenity of the garden is gone, replaced by buzzing and screaming and someone's yelling, Stavani! You twirl around in disoriented panic. Amethyst is climbing out of a pile of rubble. Pearl is fighting an entire horde of locusts by herself. Your sword is lying on the ground five feet away, and Garnet's rushing towards you. You blink at her, then shout, Don't worry, I'm okay. The orb's still in your hand. You give it a passing glance, then surround it in a shining pink bubble. You dismiss it without a thought, sending it to the temple. Then you summon your shield and go diving for your sword. You have a lot to think about later. And that was Stuck. I gotta say, Dragon Alexis keeps making some good fix to read. I enjoyed that it was a second person story, as those are much less common in general. Then again, I'm a huge Stevani fan, so the story definitely appeals to me. When I first read it, there was still much we didn't know about Rose Quartz. This was likely before season 4 wrapped up, so it was a really impactful story. And you know what? I think it still is. But that's it for now. Check back next time to Fanfic Fireside with another story from my fanfic collection. And we'll always find a way.